Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story Reading. Now we're about to play a song called Thankful by Joe Cocker, and this is a continuation of our series called The Music That Made Us, where people have been submitting all summer long different songs that have been meaningful to them, that have helped shape them, or put words to things that they've been wrestling with, or didn't even know they were wrestling with, but they just the, the, these songs have a way of putting words and melody to the things in our lives. Um, they have a way of sometimes challenging us, sometimes they're just illuminating things for us. Uh, this song is, is not a complicated one, but it's a really beautiful one because it reminds us of something that we know and we talk about often, but often don't take the time to do, and that's to be thankful. What I appreciate about this song is that, how I understand it, is that after a life lived, after struggles and pain and hardship, there's a recognition that in looking back, there's also a lot to be thankful for, a lot to have learned from, and a lot to continue to be thankful for in the day-to-day of life. And so this is Thankful by Joe Cocker. For breathing in the morning, for giving you every excuse to walk away, but you stood by me. I think that's a really beautiful way of, of putting it. The simplicity of breath but also the complexity of relationship. And I love that in the chorus, it's not just Joe singing, but there's a community singing. It's a group. And I think that so often when we're trying to navigate this life, it's, we we think that we got to muster up all the strength and all the courage and we have to, you know, do this on our own. And, And that's just not the reality. The reality is we need each other. We need the community around us. We need people to come alongside and to push us forward and to say, I see more in you. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I took from that song as, as, uh, as I was listening to it. So today I want to talk about a, a couple of things. I want to talk about Teflon and Velcro, teenagers. And then I also want to share a little verse from the Apostle Paul. And then I want to talk about neuroplasticity, which is a really fun word. And you're all like, uh-oh, that doesn't sound fun at all. Um, and then finally, uh, we're going to get to St. Ignatius. Okay, so you're like, how does this all connect? Don't worry, it will. Okay, one of my favorite speakers, as many of you have heard me talk about before, is Richard Rohr. And on a podcast I was listening to, Richard Rohr talks about our brains and how they're wired. And positive things that go into our brains, it's like our brains are Teflon towards positive things. It just slides right off. 
our brains do not register compliments very well. Now, we might receive it well in the moment when someone says, oh, you look really nice today, or oh, you know, what you did for that person, that was really great. And we might make us feel good for the moment, but at the end of the day, we don't often remember the compliments we received or the encouragements that we've gotten or the positive platitudes that we've had. If you ever go in for a performance review and the boss sits you down and shares with you all the things that you've done well and then happens to share the one thing that you could improve upon, chances are all those positive things are like the Teflon. It's just sliding on by as if you never heard them. Why? Because our brains are more like Velcro when it comes to the negative things. And this, is, this happens all the time in life. Some of us that are doing things publicly, you might say something publicly and receive a few emails about it. And chances are the majority of those emails are really positive. It's people saying, thanks for sharing that. That was really touching. I really appreciated that. And then one email pops in the inbox and it says, I really don't agree with what you said and here's why. Or I had a hard time understanding what you were trying to communicate this morning. And guess which email you're going to go home and pay attention to? It's not going to be the 5 or 10 or 15 messages that were all positive about how you change people's lives and they have a new trajectory and they're going to live happily ever after. Nope, it's going to be the one person who had that one small thing wrong with what you said. Because our brains, when it comes to negativity, are like Velcro. This is why the news is the way it is. This is why marketing is the way it is. Do you guys remember during the middle of the pandemic when everything was just so low and then John Krasinski and Emily Blunt started doing like um, the good news report? I don't even remember what it was called. Remember when that came out and they would do these little YouTube like shorts about all the positive things happening in the world because the world just needed good news? Well, guess which version of the news stuck around post-pandemic? Wasn't that version of the news? It was the regular news about all the things that are going wrong because they know that what sticks in our brains is not the positive things of the world. They know that what sticks in our brains is all the controversy. This is why what doubles as news is also two people on the opposite sides of a spectrum yelling at each other because our brains like, they, it gravitates towards the argument. It gravitates towards the negativity. We like when people shout at each other. That's why Stephen A. Smith gets paid so much money on ESPN, because he likes to yell a lot, and he has very strong opinions, and people latch on to those opinions. Why? Because they either really agree or they really disagree, and we like that tension. Our brains, it, it's easy for our brains. Negativity is easy. That's why our brains like it so much. It it's just makes things simple. If I don't like it, if it's negative, then I can understand it really quickly and I, I ruminate on it. And that's how our brains tend to work. Have you ever been wearing a new sweater and you're walking along and you brush up against a piece of Velcro? Do you know what happens when you do that, when you're wearing a new sweater? What happens? It sticks to you, right? And then what happens to your sweater? It... it pulls and it frays and, and then you look at that new sweater and you're like, no, this wasn't brand new. It's the first time I've worn it and I ran up against some Velcro and now my sweater, 
oh, it'll never look new again. I think that's what happens with negativity in our brains, is that we bump up against negativity and it pulls and it frays, and suddenly our brains and our self-perception, our perception of someone else, our perception of the world, isn't quite the way it used to be. And enough Velcro over a long enough period of time, and suddenly that new sweater, it starts to look like an old sweater. Suddenly it looks like a Saturday sweater. Any of you have Saturday clothing versus Sunday clothing? Basically, I have all during the week clothing and then Sunday morning clothing. Yesterday I put on a t-shirt and it had a few stains on it. And my wife's like, you, you do know that one's stained, right? And I said, it's Saturday. And she just, mm hmm And then she walked away, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I went to Target. <laughs> I was like, I don't care, world. Here I am. <laughs> but enough times of wearing that ratty old sweater that once was new, and suddenly it is that ratty old sweater. And I think that's what sometimes can happen to our brains over time is that the Velcro of our negative brain, it just latches on over and over and over. And suddenly we're in this spiral of negativity because that's what's easy for our brains. You know, one of the things, and, and I, I will say off the top, I had so much fun hanging out with teenagers all week long. I have a teenager at home, but hanging out with four of them that aren't mine was illuminating. What I, what I recognized is that how do I say this? I don't think our brains change very much over time. It's just that we choose not to say everything that is in our brain all the time. Because I think teenagers tend to just say what's in their brain almost all of the time. And so this idea of like the negative things just spiraling and becoming the way we think about things is a lot of how teenagers operate. Because you'll hear teenagers say something like, nobody likes me. Well, and it's like, what are you talking about? Like, what, what do you mean no one likes you? It's like, well, I talked to this person today at school and in the cafeteria, and they said that I'm not very cool. And I was like, so one human being on the planet that you don't know very well and you have no association with outside of the lunchroom doesn't think you're very cool, and suddenly no one likes you? Yeah. What? That doesn't make any sense. But how many times in my life do I have an interaction with someone and it sends me into a spiral of like, does anyone like me? Now, I'm smart enough not to say it out loud and walk around very insecure, but I still think the thought. I still have the, the mental capacity to spiral in that direction and to wonder if I'm likable, to wonder if I'm good enough, to wonder if I actually have strong enough community around me to lift me up. I, I spiral too. I'm a teenager at heart at times, right? We all can find ourselves in that place. We can all be teenagers. They just happen to say it out loud. And what's, what's refreshing about saying it out loud is you can actually address it. With teenagers, you can try to address it. Now, usually they're not going to listen to you because you're older than 25, but you can try to address it. You can try to create a new narrative. And that's what we have to do is we have to be people who are willing and able to create new stories, to create new narratives. Now, the brain is like Velcro when it comes to negativity. It's like Teflon when it comes to positivity. But what researchers have found is that there's this thing called neuroplasticity. Everyone say neuroplasticity. Okay, now say it five times really fast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> neuroplasticity. 
essentially, layman's way of understanding this, neuroplasticity means that your brain can change over time. It means that your brain can be rewired. New habits and new patterns, new neurons can fire over different synapses, and you can rewire and change your brain. It takes time, and it takes deliberate effort, but your brain can change. They've, seen, they've studied the brain, and that can happen. And so many of us have said, yeah, I've changed over time. Some of it, it's because I've worked really hard at it. Some of it's because I've gotten to an echo chamber, and now I sound like that echo chamber. But our brains can change over time. And I think we have to be people who are willing to put effort into changing our brain. We have to put effort into changing the way we conceptualize the world, the way we conceptualize ourselves, the way we conceptualize others. We have to be people who are willing and able to say, you know what, this thing between my ears, it can change depending on what I do with it. What I do with this thing matters. If I just sit back and let things happen to me, I'm going to be the person that received 10 really good emails and didn't let it affect me at all, but I received one email and I let it ruin my day. That's what happens when we don't put effort into how our brain works and how our thinking works. But when we take our thoughts captive, when we decide that we get to shape how this works, then we can start to change the way that this operates. You know, so often people are like, the Bible doesn't have anything to do with science. And, and in a lot of ways, yeah, of course. It was written like, you know, 4,000, 2,000, 6,000. You know, it was written a really long time ago before modern science. But in some ways, I think the Bible was way ahead of its time. And this is one of those verses that I think is really beautiful and, and is, is timeless, but is also we're seeing that science is finally catching up to it. This is what Paul writes at the end of the book of Philippians when he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's trying to give them some last things to hold on to. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, my siblings, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's so easy for us to gravitate towards the negative. And Paul sees that in this community, he sees what they're facing in life, he sees what they're up against, he sees all the naysayers towards who they are, and it's so easy to let that cloud who they're becoming. And instead, Paul is saying, don't focus on all of that. Dwell on, think on, spend time on what's honorable and just and pure and pleasing and commendable, what's excellent, what's worthy of real praise. Spend time thinking on that. Because when you spend time dwelling and thinking on that, you'll see things change. You'll see your outlook on yourself start to change. You'll see the outlook on other people start to change. You'll see your outlook on how this whole thing works and the potential for all of it to change. That perspective can shift and change. The way that you understand God and the relationship that God has with humanity and the world, that can change. Because, and this is right from Paul, neuroplasticity. 
just kidding. Paul didn't actually write neuroplasticity. Wouldn't that be cool if he did? No. Paul didn't write that, but that's essentially what Paul's getting at, is that you need to think on these things so that they shape you. Finally, St. Ignatius. St. Ignatius um, created this thing called the Daily Examine. And the Daily Examine is just a prayer practice. So often, I was taught that prayer is what we say to God. And that's true. It is. Oftentimes, prayer is what we say to God. But that's one form of prayer. One form of prayer is talking to God. God, I want this. God, I need this. God, intervene here. God, thank you for this. God, thank you for that. That is one form of prayer, talking to God. St. Ignatius and many other throughout the centuries have other ways of understanding what prayer is. Prayer is essentially being present and conscious with the divine. Just being open to God being present in your life. And yes, sometimes that means us speaking what's on our heart, praying for things that we want to see happen, people to be healed, loved ones to have something good happen in their life. And sometimes it's to be thankful and grateful for the things that, that have gone well or that we've, we've experienced. Yes, that is part of it. But sometimes it's just quieting our heart so that we can sense that love is present. And so St. Ignatius has this form of prayer called the daily examine. And the Jesuits practice this two times a day, once at about noon and then once at the end of the day. And it's a beautiful way of engaging um, our experience. The first part of the daily examine is to become aware of God's presence. Just to calm your mind and be aware that God is with you. To not give God the list of thankfuls or the need-tos or the wishes, but just to recognize that God is present. In the way that St. Ignatius instructed the Jesuits to do this was to do this by going through your day and just saying, God, I've recognized that you are present all throughout my day. Just like Joe Cocker says, like when I was breathing in the morning, you were there. When that person stuck by my side, God, you were there. The second thing is to review the day with gratitude, to go through your day and to mark each moment, the different things you did, the people you ran into, the things that you worked on, the engagements that you had, and just to be thankful and to find ways of saying, I'm grateful for that experience. I'm grateful for that connection. I'm grateful for that smile. I'm grateful for that interaction that we got to have. I'm grateful for that meal that allows my body to work better. I'm grateful for the coffee that woke me up in the morning. I'm grateful for that little hug I got from the neighbor kid who came over and said hi. Whatever it is. I mean, Sorry, I'm not, hopefully I'm not sharing too much, but there was a little guy named Mac that was hanging out with Jack up at the camp. And Mac was three. And when Mac realized their, rames, their names rhymed, they were basically inseparable every time we saw them. There was one moment where we were walking out of the bunkhouse and they were staying at a cabin a little ways away. And Mac saw Jack and just took off running. He's like, Jack! And just took off running. And then suddenly about halfway, froze and turned around and realized dad's a really long way away and just didn't know what to do because wanted to go see Jack but didn't want to get too far away and just had this frozen moment. And I mean, Mac was a little bright spot of gratitude 
every day. I mean, even for those of us who wished that Mac was like wanting to hang out with, got to be honest, I was jealous the whole time. Um, it was so fun to watch the two of you have those moments. I was grateful to have shared sitting across the table, watching it happen every meal we shared with them in the room. So review the day with gratitude. Number three is pay attention to your emotions. As you're thinking through your day, some of the things that you're going to think on are going to bring up positive, happy, good, fulfilling emotions. You're going to feel that sense of warmth. Sometimes the things you're going to have looked back on, you're going to feel tension. Sometimes even the good things we have tension about because we don't know if they're going to last. We don't know if they were actually good, if someone was just being nice to us to pity us. And so sometimes even though it was a good moment, we're like, I just didn't, I don't know why I'm unsettled about it. Just notice that. Don't make a judgment about it. Just notice it. Notice the emotions that come up as you think through your day. Notice what you're feeling. We're feeling beings. We have emotion. It's okay to identify. It's not okay to always react out of them in a negative way, but it's good to identify your emotions. So as you're examining your day, identify the emotions that you have. And then I love this fourth one. And there's five parts to this in case all of you are wondering how long is he going to go with this. There's only one more after this. Number four is choose one feature of the day and pray from it. Pray from it. Now, when I first read this, I thought it was a typo. I was like, pray from it? Don't you mean pray for it? Because that's what I've spent my life doing is praying for things. Remember, prayer has always been me talking to God, telling God what I need God to do, me telling God what I'm thankful for. It's always been this one-way form of communication. And then I read more deeply about it, and it wasn't a typo. It wasn't supposed to be pray for it. It was to pray from it. And here's what, here's what was written about this. It says, ask the Holy Spirit to direct you to something during the day that God thinks is particularly important. It may involve a feeling, positive or negative. It may be a significant encounter with another person or a vivid moment of pleasure or peace. It may be something that seems rather insignificant. Look at it. Pray about it. Allow the prayer to arise spontaneously from your heart, whether it's intercession, praise, repentance, or gratitude. So pray from that moment. Allow that moment to be that moment and pray through and from that moment. I love that idea. Don't assume that you have to solve that moment. Pray for that moment. Let that moment be the moment where God's Spirit does work in you. And then finally, the fifth part of the daily examine is to look forward towards tomorrow to look forward to another day where we get to be thankful for the breath we have in the morning, for the people in our life that have stuck by us, for the small encounters with the little max of our life, to the beauty of having a companion that has four legs and barks, whatever it may be that brings us a little moment of thankfulness or gratitude, let's spend time thinking about those things. Look forward towards tomorrow. And as Paul instructs us to do, let's spend time rewiring our brain, spending time rewiring how we conceptualize the world by focusing on what is pure and what is noteworthy, what is admirable, what we should be giving praise to. Yes, we do need to 
know what's going on in the world, which is why we have to do the hard work of focusing on positive things, being thankful, spending time in gratitude. Before we close, let me, let me just add one more thing. Whenever I've talked about this or studied this, I get frustrated. And the frustration is I want my brain to be like naturally wired for positive. I want the positive to be Velcro, not the negative. I want the negative to be like Teflon, to slide right off, slide right off. I'm like, why is my brain wired this way? Why is this the way it works? And sometimes people will be like, well, that's a result of the fall. Like, okay, well, maybe. Maybe that's just because we're human. Or maybe that's because of something that happened with... I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the case. The reason why I think it's this way is that we, in every facet of life, it takes work to be fully human. In every facet of life, it takes effort and, and it takes courage to show up and to be vulnerable, to be present to someone else, to serve. It takes effort to focus on the positive. I think that's because the whole thing is supposed to be hard. If it was just easy, then it wouldn't be worth a lot. If it was easy to just be positive all the time, well, then we'd be a cartoon character. Wouldn't be real. It takes effort. Now, hopefully it gets easier and easier as you rewire and your brain is plastic and you can, you can figure out how to rewire it and how to make it work and hum a little bit better and it gets a little simpler. But ultimately, it's still going to be hard because we're human. Being human's tough, but we can do it. We can do it because we have the spirit within us giving us the power and the energy to move forward. But we can also do it because we have people around us who are encouraging us to think about things and to see things differently. So my encouragement for you today is to take the exam with you. I put copies out on the table by the treats, so that, therefore you wouldn't miss them. So take them with you. And maybe a couple of nights this week, try to do this. Just pray through the exam and pray through your day. Think through it. See what bubbles up. Focus on the things that have brought you joy, where God has shown up in the day. The little moments of peace, the little moments of, of connection. Let those be the things that you hang on to, that you dwell on, that you think on. Let's pray. God of good moments and hard moments, we're grateful that you're always with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. You never turn your backs on us. God, be with us when we are examining our day. Give us the, the courage to do it. Give us the patience and the faithfulness to do it. Help us to work through our day to see those little moments of gratitude, to see those little moments where we can sense your presence, those little moments where we felt love and connection. Help us to find those times where we can be thankful. God, when we do have those difficult thoughts, those negative thoughts, those thoughts that spiral us, that feel like they stick to us so tightly, God, put people in our path that can help reshape that. Help us to reimagine those things. God, we trust that your spirit is working in us. 
Help us to think differently. Help us to be people of gratitude every day. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.